want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. Good. I just I just received some abuse <laughs> that I should have recorded. It's hilarious. So, so it's episode ninety three. Yeah. You know what that means? Huh. We have ninety two other episodes. That's right. Uh, <laughs> this, yep. What were you gonna say? And this was just a random tangent side note. I finally realized the importance of the standoffs underneath the toilet seat <laughs> is that what they're called I standoffs what, i don't know that's what i'm calling them <laughs> where'd you come up with that what standoffs it's a term okay well now you have to explain you're getting me sidetracked all right all right so the where we're living now we've been here over a year now but yeah uh so I never appreciated the like the the real standoffs that puts the toilet seat like a half inch above the toilet. Our new toilet seat, the standoffs are kind of just barely there. Maybe so there's no gap between the there's, yeah there's toilet no gap. seat and so the, the actual... seat is just sitting on the fucking toilet directly on it. And in the past, I would have thought, who cares? What's the big deal? But if you're sitting on there and you have hair on your legs, it gets under the fucking toilet seat and it rips out and it's super unpleasant. <laughs> you're trying to do your business and you're getting your hair fucking torn you out. Should shave. Yeah. <laughs> you should shave. You should shave. I have to now. From the knee up. <laughs> you also said you have a hard time with your nubby yeah, you, yeah. fingers. <clears throat> My nubby fingers, yep. <laughs> you can't lift the toilet seat up because there's no gap right yeah things so, i never considered so, right so the the fronts of my legs look like um like shag carpet <laughs> and the back and the backs so look like a, a baby's leg <laughs> but just one line yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're going about this episode differently um, because we haven't done anything or seen yeah. anyone. We have nothing cool to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we decided to do a grim rewind. Yeah. Where we kind of go back mm -hmm. over the course of time to more fun, more interesting events mm -hmm. than today. Yeah. And revisit some past guests, some yeah. past memories. Some uh, fun conversations that and, we've had. Yeah, and just reminisce. Yeah. So what are we kicking it off with? We're going to start off with our good friend Barrett from Severed Records. Okay. And uh, we're going to start off with, uh, this was like right in the beginning of the episode. And uh, we're going to hear a really interesting 
story from Barrett that I don't think a lot of people knew. Yeah. And uh, it was awesome that he shared it with us. Yes. Very inspiring. Yeah. So let's give it a listen. All right. All right. So let's do an introduction of Barrett. So owner, founder, everything Severed Records. Yes. So when did this happen? Uh, officially 97 in Richmond, Virginia. Wait, did you live in Richmond? For at least 12 years, yeah. Really? Did you grow up there? I grew up in Leroy and then moved to Virginia when sixth grade and then moved back here in 2000. Oh, I'm, did I miss that part of the story? Did you talk about that that night? Which night? Exactly. <laughs> huh, I didn't know that. So that's cool. Okay, so let's back up. So you were big into sports, right? Yes, when I was young. Baseball, football. Baseball hockey, was your yep. deal. Oh, you're still in the hockey, right? Yeah, sled hockey. Yeah. <laughs> we got I, we got to talk about that. <laughs> ben. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, on the track to baseball, all-star, right? Were you was, gonna go definitely. To, were you going to go to college for it? Probably if the wreck didn't happen, yep. Yeah. So... You got into a car accident. I did. So what happened? Uh, I was I broke my back on the way to band practice in a car accident. We were in a, a hatchback car going down a road, and uh, apparently the tire was messed up, and we were jumping, like going fast <clears throat> and jumping over. You know, if you go fast and then you hit a ramp, or not a ramp, but like a spot in the road where you catch air. Yeah. So we landed in the... What road were you on? Were you off-roading? <laughs> no, I was in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, we landed and the tire exploded and the car just started flipping through all the trees and everything. And the driver broke his wrist. The guy in front of me ripped his head open, broke his leg. The guy next to me flew out the window. Jesus. And I was pinned under... Well, my legs went underneath the front seat and I was twisted and the amp landed on my back. Oh my god Do you remember any of it? Up till it happened And then not till Like two months later How long were you in the hospital? Uh, A year or so Oh shit Wow Wow How old were you? Fifteen Jesus That's crazy Good times So (laughs) That obviously ended your baseball career oh yeah both of my legs were paralyzed i was in a wheelchair so you had to learn to walk all over again oh yeah and you still I couldn't even move my legs for a year and a half two years so well, not did, less than that actually did but they expect you to be able to walk again no i wasn't supposed to that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah here i am that's pretty that's pretty fucking cool. Are you tearing up over there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk you walk with a little bit of a limp today, but I do. Well my um, leg's still paralyzed in the left leg from the knee down. But it's barely kinda noticeable considering that you were supposed to be paralyzed, right? Mm-hmm. I should be in a wheelchair, yeah. And Ben and I were super surprised how fast you fucking maneuver through death fest with your cane. Yeah. You fucking beat foot on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I've had enough drinks and I get excited, I can go pretty fast. Yeah, we, we know. You were fucking gone, blazing. Well, we were going to see two mold yeah. at the time. Yeah. I was 
Um, so, uh, um, I just want to back up one second. Um, you were going to band practice. Was that you were you were drumming then, right? Yep. Okay. And was that the Rasp days or this was way before that? Before that, this was just some crappy band I had in my garage, my parents' house, and none of the guys would ever show up on time, so we'd have to go around and find them. Got you. So we literally drive to each person's house and get them, and we finally got them. So we're like, all right, we'll go on to Wendy's, and then we're going to drive around and go get Chance, which was the bass player. Mm -hmm. And that's when it happened on the way. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So if they would have just came to band practice on time, it's all their fault. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think you've told me bits of that story, but I've never heard the whole story before. I've never heard any of the story. That's crazy. I just thought you got into like a car accident of some sort and like hurt your leg. I had no idea that you I broke wish it your was back. That simple. Yeah, that's crazy. And here you are. Here I am. We are so blessed. Yes. <laughs> At what point did you decide like I'm going to start a record label and I'm going to make it my living? Well, that's a two-part story. Okay first part was 97 in Richmond. I was living with uh, Ryan Parrish, who's the drummer of Disinterment at the time. He's now in Iron Reagan and Suppression, Mammoth Grinder. Big, big drummer now. Still my best friend. And they did, I was kind of the manager of Disinterment then. None of us knew any better, but I was doing the magazine. And getting them recording so we got recorded them a promo and they already had a couple demos before I got involved so I was like alright so we'll get a promo then it came time they had a full length album ready and they didn't have the money to do it I was like well, I have the money to do it and I was like well, I'm doing the magazine so it was called Severed Pages so it's like alright do Severed Records and I put out their CD in 97 and, and it just started from there it was just kind of a thing put that out and then they had a side project black metal band called New Millennium's End and I actually did a cassette version well it was a cassette tape 100 copies that was my second release and that was shortly after that just because they had the tape and I was like oh I'll put it out yeah and then I was doing my second uh, magazine and I went to Champaign, Champaign Illinois Death Fest which was at this like moose lodge type of thing in the in the outskirts of Chicago, and we drove 15 hours from Virginia to get there. And it was it was a train wreck, but incredible bands, old school death metal, real brutal stuff. And when was that? Late 90s. This was 97, 98. Mm-hmm. No, this was 97. Definitely, I just saw the flyer the other day. Someone posted it, and. Uh, got a whole bunch of demo tapes from there and went back and I found this one it's been disfigured from Long Island New York I was like this is amazing and I wanted to do another release so I got the I called 411 I saw the guy's name <laughs> in the tape <laughs> and it's it Ryan Scrutamenti and I'm like so I called New York information and I called his house and this I was drunk as shit it was probably like 11.30 at night <laughs> I didn't know it was his mom's house. I wouldn't even think of it. <laughs> I was like, can I speak to Ryan? She's like, Ryan? She's like, what do you want? I was like, this, uh, my name's Barrett. I'm from Severed Records. I was seeing if I could put out your son's CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't say son. I was like, 
put out the disfigured CD. She's like, hang on, and she goes and got it. He's like, and he's he was all about it, and then did that, and, which was really cool because uh, Chris from Internal Bleeding did the layout, Brian Griffin from uh, Broken Hope did the recording, and uh, that was '98 slash '99, and then moved to New York. And at that time, it was just kind of like a hobby kind of thing, because I was I was a printer, like printing. Yeah. And I moved to New York, and I applied for at least 20 printing jobs all over this area, and I couldn't get one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and do Severed for Real. And then I signed Putrefied from the Netherlands, put out their EP, and, and just kind of went from there. Made a website, I don't know, went to every show possible within a 15-hour radius, brought my little suitcase of CDs. That was it. That's awesome. You have an awesome story. Mm. Like, Thank I don't you. know that you know that because you're living it, but you're probably very inspirational to a lot of people yeah. that, That's like, cool. want to follow a path. Like, you're living your best life. Like, you love music. I love everything about music. Yeah. What is a normal day for you in regards to, like, Severed look like? Like, do you have, like, a routine? Do you get up and ship shit? Do you, like... I definitely have a routine. It's, I get up, I eat a granola bar, go in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) I go through all the emails from the night before and orders or whatever. I pull the orders. Depending on the day, I stack them in an area. And then I I go to the post office two to three times a week, depending on how many orders. Yeah. And then there's trades. I mean, I don't know then new bands listening to new bands figuring out how to sign a new band it's hard to explain yeah so how do you how do you sign a new band like do they come to you do you go to them like what does that process look like it's different every time okay um uh like malignancy I've known those guys for probably 25 years or something or 20 years or so and we've been talking forever about working together and we just did that double CD they re-recorded the new album well their, their first album and included the original version and that just came about from talking to Danny over the years and we, so you want to do it I was like absolutely I want to do it and then it took two and a half years to get it done because they record like one song here one song there I think yeah and then finally it got done pretty much two or three weeks before Maryland which is not enough time to get things pressed and everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to, I had my, the guy that presses my CDs had to rush a hundred copies and overnight them to me to get them in time. And I got them the day before we left for Maryland. Wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, every, every single one's different. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hunt down a band. Sometimes they'll send me the stuff and I'm like, that's great. And then we'll try and work something out. And, it's always different yeah all right we're back live that was from our old studio in downtown rochester the <laughs> <Live>. echo chamber <laughs> <laughs> it's apparent that we have gotten much better with our sound yeah we're so where we used to record it was a, basically a giant room with a ton of windows yeah so everything bounced we, off of everything yeah we we just couldn't avoid it it was yeah it was hard and then we ordered 
these like little sound boxes yeah. and then we couldn't see each other yeah. we had to like talk inside of this yeah, this phone, <laughs> phone box, box. <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out though yeah and our sound bed was a little loud it was yeah it was good stuff the sound bed but it was a little bit loud yeah but you can still hear the conversation yeah a great conversation indeed it was all right let's play drowning in purulence by the band grieve this features Clayton Mead, and this is coming off of the limited demo CD release that is out this week on Severed Records. Also, the band has a full length in the coming months that is, again, going to be re- released by Severed Records. So Barrett is going to make another appearance in this episode. Indeed. But first we have uh, our conversation with Fatal Curse. And this starts off with um, us asking Mike what the weirdest thing he owns is. (laughs) (laughs) What is the weirdest thing you own? 
Oh man, what's the weirdest thing I own? That's uh, that. I, I honestly, I I don't really. I don't. Come really on, you got some? No, off the top of my head, I, I have a. There's a plate that I found at a <laughs> thrift store <laughs> of somebody's dead cat okay. that I have on my like on my coat hanger. <laughs> I like this something that hangs my coat on. Yeah, like a coat hanger at the house. That's one thing. I didn't know about this, Dave. Did you? <laughs> There's um, dude, no. did did yeah. you get rid of that plate? <laughs> Why'd you get rid of my plate? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's funny because we were talking about because somebody was trying to sell specimens, uh, wet specimens the other day. Wet specimens. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. It was an eyeball. See, it is Joe Rogan. An eyeball in a jar. <laughs> it was like an eyeball in a jar, and I think it was like a human eyeball, but it like got this taken off the of grass Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> DMT, I found, I found, found specimens. Yeah, but I mean, we were actually talking yesterday about buying a human eyeball in a jar. There's somebody trying to sell, but it kept getting taken down by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. It's weird that you brought that question huh. up. But like, That's other than that, cool. no, there's. I'm, just out of curiosity, like, what did you mean by that question? It was, like, out of it was just a question. <laughs> that's a weird one. Yeah. No, that's actually a very interesting question. That's co- a weird, like, the weirdest thing. I never even thought of. Uh, like, what's uh, weird? I had a few questions, and it was just, I could ask any three of you, and oh, Dave, okay. you're next. <laughs> 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 I hope I don't get one like that. Right. Any, this is my question weird. for you, Dave. All right. If you're arrested randomly, oh, I well, <laughs> many <laughs> <a> times. <laughs> if you're arrested but, randomly, but nobody well, knew what it was for. What would your friends and family assume that you had done? Yeah, I know. Every I've only gotten drunk and done dumb stuff. I mean, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sober now. Well, no, I mean, I don't try to be like out of my way sober, but yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not straight edge, but I don't usually drink. I'll drink once in a while. All right. Yeah, but. All right. Yeah. Mike's story is better, but okay. That's it. It is. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> Unless you want stories of me actually yeah, getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave would get arrested for trying to sell uh, black market eyeballs on Facebook, <laughs> but they keep taking them down. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence that that question. Ca- yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, that's it was cool. like twenty five bucks. That's that's that's, that's twenty five bucks. Yeah, that wasn't like a, real. A dr- I swear that to God, you might have thought the picture was real, but it don't mean it was. <laughs> you thought that you were gonna get a real eyeball for twenty five damn dollars? <laughs> it could happen. What in what world did you think that was real? So Ithaca. Here <laughs> 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 go twenty five bucks. So what, just a glass eye. so what glass should eye. a real eyeball go for? Head. It was in somebody's head, but it wasn't a real eye. It was a glass eye. Probably. It, it was, was still in their eye? head? I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. They popped it out and put it in like, I don't know, Brian or something. <laughs> Who's Brian? <laughs> Who's Brian? They put it in Brian? <laughs> Brian. <you know? laughs> Poor Brian. Brian's eye and they put it in Brian. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Mike, what do you do for a living? Me, I do uh, I do oh. weld prep at uh, Upsco in Moravia, New York. Do you like it? I do. I actually really do like it. Cool. You have kids, right? I do not have children. 
What? Just Ryan? Yes, Ryan. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Are you married? I am not married. I was married. Oh, okay. I just recently had a recently got a divorce. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got beat. <laughs> no, whatever. <laughs> no, no, that's I don't know. It was a blessing in disguise. All right, all right. So you're single? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, for yeah, taxes you are. <laughs> oh yeah, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Chris, your question. So you're single. Yep. <laughs> 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 Put the mic on. Chris, is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> what? It's not a sandwich, is it? Is a what? hot dog a sandwich? Is it yeah. a sandwich? Why not? Um, Next question. <laughs> I don't get. <laughs> Beep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a good fucking mic. I'll answer that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess maybe if you look at it that way, it's just a. Chunk of bro- baloney. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you make a baloney sandwich. Yeah, I guess I, I want to take back my answer. So it is. Yeah, no, it's not. not. You don't put you don't put ketchup no. on sandwiches. Sandwiches aren't round. <laughs> no, they are Damn. round. Wait, sandwiches can be round. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's a submarine sandwich. Dave. Sandwich. Is a hamburger a sandwich? Hamburger sandwich. Cheeseburger sandwich. Hamburger sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Cheeseburger sandwich. (laughs) Dude, I don't even care. It's good. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I just want it. Chris, tell us about Fart Girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was out in front of the uh, Marshall Street. I couldn't believe that shit. Um, She was really cute, too. Like, and she was like, we were talking. I was outside. I've heard of this. Oh, this is fantastic. I you haven't out, heard this story? I was outside. Yeah. Oh. She was like a little thing, too. And like sitting you, there talking. You guys were talking like all night, right? For Well, yeah. Like for, hitting for it a good off. like, yeah, 40 minutes or so. Yeah. yeah. And we were just bullshitting about like, you know, cracking jokes about things going on, whatever. Across the street. She said something like there was, oh, there's something Doom going dancing. on. Yeah, doom dancing. <laughs> no, like basketball game. There's like a basketball game going across the road or something. <laughs> And then she just like, I was sitting there, and as she was talking, she just lifted her leg and like <laughs> blasted the most disgusting, <laughs> wretched, <laughs> was it a heinous <laughs> fart? Was it a cheek flapper? It was a cheek. Fl- it sounded like a, a f- someone flipping through a giant phone book, <laughs> <laughs> like a wet phone book. The Rochester phone book. It was the Rochester phone book. <laughs> After they pulled it out of a mud puddle. <laughs> oh my god. My God. And, what was your uh, and I was shocked. I, I was like, I, I, I mean, did you take it? Yeah. I no, I didn't. No, sadly he didn't. Sadly, no. I don't have, uh, I don't have a thing for farts. I'm sorry. <laughs> he couldn't close the deal. <laughs> I was like, Good I can't, girl. I can't have competition. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I, I forgot all about that. That's hilarious. <laughs>
That was Fatal Curse with Blade in the Dark. And I absolutely miss seeing those guys play yeah, live. Me too. Me too. And rumor has it they're working on new material. Yep. So, yep. very exciting. Remember that time we talked to Tommy Stewart and he told us all about Black Doomba Records, Hollow Eye, Dire Wolf, and a whole bunch of other things? I do. I don't know why it stuck out in my mind so much, but I just know we were having such a good time. And one show was with Nuclear Assault. Mm-hmm. The other show was with Fate's Warning. And I believe that was on the no, uh, Fate's Warning had no exit. And I believe we had Monument. I think that's where we were at. I'm not sure where Nuclear Assault was. But I think they were in the same year. Uh-huh. In the arcade in Rochester. And I, 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 we did an in-store, and I don't remember the name of the store, but it was an independent store. Was it right by, was it right in the area? <laughs> It was in the area. It might have been uh, Lakeshore Record Exchange or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Uh, that does sound familiar, but I think Lakeshore is uh, in that a, a, a kind of a main road of Rochester. Uh, back then, it, it kind of was on a on a main road. Was this not? I know that sounds familiar. It wasn't House of Guitars, was it? No, it was a it was a place with a lot of records. <laughs> could have been, could have been there. And, I, and what made me remember it so much is that somebody actually pulled their car up outside and asked if I'd go outside and sign their car. <laughs> and they had paint with them, so I actually signed someone's car with a little brush and paint. And I was like, "Who the heck would do that? <laughs> Where the hell am I?" <laughs> Yeah, who, uh, I, I guess people, there are people who like us then. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, because we never really knew. Sometimes you're in the band, you're in a, you kind of don't know. You're, yeah. you're showing up. We didn't, and back then, it, you know, there wasn't any social, social media or anything. So we would show up to shows and look all around and go, wow, this looks like a pretty big show. I wonder who we're playing with. Why are these, I remember David looking at me going, I wonder why all these people are here. And we would walk in and find out we were headlining. <laughs> Surprise. They went to us in Boston one time. We, we walked in and we were like, wow, I wonder who's headlining. 
who all these people are. Oh, well, let's go ahead and get it over with. And we thought we were going to go in and do our 20 minutes, you know. And, and no, they came to see us. And we were doing just, we didn't know anybody liked us in Boston. <laughs> people like you all over. Yeah. Yeah, we're surprised. We, we had no idea. We're surprised by the bands that we talk to. A lot of them think the same way. Like you have these rabid fans that love you guys, and no clue. You don't know. I guess, especially pre-internet, probably it was more so. I think now you can kind of you can tell better. Yeah. Back then, we were surprised all the time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, you know, but about the time you thought. By the time you, you began to feel comfortable with getting a big head, then you would play somewhere and there would be 10 people to see Faith Morning and Halloween. You'd get an attitude adjustment. And you'd go, well, not everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd, you'd get your head on straight real quick. When yeah. you'd show up. Wouldn't be hardly anybody there. Or they misspelled your name and marquee. <laughs> which, which would be a better. We, we went and we played one show where. Um, Instead, we pulled up instead of saying Hallow's Eve, it said Hollow Eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we that's a cool that band was name. the best name. We were like, why didn't we think of that? It's better. It's better. <laughs> better, yeah. We should do. We should go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What got you into music in the first place? You know, it's funny because. I don't know. It just kind of always was there. And I, I guess a lot of people say stuff like this, but in brief, my mom sat me down at a piano when I was four. She was musical. And um, my, my sister was so musical and she was in things too, theater and stuff. So it was kind of in the house. And uh, my parents took me to a lot of plays when I was younger, a lot of musicals. I know. <laughs> And so anyway, I grew up with that kind of thing, and I went through school band. I played clarinet and then bass clarinet. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I know. I know. It's, I look back on it, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Why did I pick that? I could have had saxophone. <laughs> but I don't know what made me pick it. It was just the warm tone of it. Mm. And the same thing, then I went over to bass clarinet, and it was pretty much the precursor to bass. Then I started fooling around with guitar and when I was a teenager and um, I kind of found out I kept showing up to practices, uh, I mean to jams at people's houses and no one would ever sing. And I still don't think I'm any kind of a singer. It was just by default that I kept being the person who sang because nobody did. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, and I guess some people work on being a great singer. I just... Still to this day, just hope to be on pitch. <laughs> I, not, I just hope I don't sound too bad. No. And, you know, so I still feel like that. I feel like I'm a pretty good bass player, but when it comes to singing, it's just sort of I'm stuck with it. But what happened was I was in bands uh, as a guitarist, and and then, and uh, by the time I was about 18, um, changed over to bass, and then. Uh, went through a band called Warrior that was not the L.A. Warrior. And Warrior started in 79. We were doing songs that and uh, that morphed into what became Hallow's Eve. Um, I, I met Stacy, and I decided Stacy was a better singer than me, and I literally 
put myself on base when I could get him. I kind of fired myself <laughs> and got him. And then shortly after, we decided to change the name and get two other guys that became Howlin's Eve. And we were even doing some of the same. We took our songs, you know, so we were still doing the mansion from Tales of Terror mm-hmm. of Howlin's Eve, Cape Warrior, Metal Merchants was a song called Metal Prisoners. So it's sort of like we really began in 79, but our bios always say we started in 83 because that's when we decided we are Howlin's Eve. Yeah. Ah, okay. And this means this. And that's when we got two other guys, and or three other guys eventually. <clears throat> and then we and then we did all the Hallows Eve stuff, and uh, what we did about, and then we threw, did three albums. So we were together as Hallows Eve pretty much for five years before Stacy left. <laughs> and then I beat that. I tried and tried and tried to get somebody to take his place, but it just. And really, honestly, to this, I took his place temporarily, even myself, um, well, in the early 90s, and then in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. mid-2000s, it was about five years I did the lead vocals. But, you know, and, and even though we'd go play shows and people liked hearing the songs, I guess, but it still wasn't quite how it was even. We had people even to our face question, you know, like, but where's Stacy? Where? <laughs> it was constantly wanting that voice. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so I finally, uh, I finally just said, "Okay, that's enough." I, I called him up. He wouldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. He did it for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, 2007 to 2000, 2013. I got him to play. We did one album, and I got him to play about five shows during that five year period, and that was just all I could drag him out. That was it. <sighs> but people wanted, they wanted to hear that class, the sound of that band in its classic form. Yeah. I just, there was no replacement in people's heads. Yeah. So I just quit trying to do that. Yeah. So I got, I have a question about the earlier days of Hallow's Eve. Not to focus too much on Hallow's Eve, but um, there, you were on the Speed Kills and Metal Massacre 6, like before you were signed to Metal Blade, right? Yeah, slightly before. Yeah. And, and it, I'm guessing that's what got you signed to Metal Blade. I guess they. Um, one time I was in Los Angeles and I was sitting in Brian Slagle's car. We were, I was actually, you know, in LA just hanging out with Brian Slagle, and he goes, and I said, Brian, I just said, why did you sign us? I looked on the floorboard and there was our CD in the floorboard, and he, I mean, a uh, cassette tape, and I said, oh, you really do listen to us? And he goes, yeah, and I said, why did you sign us? And he said. Because I like you. <laughs> and I said, he said, he always, he was very consistent in saying that about all the bands. And I even read his um, uh, Metal Blade biography called The History of History of Metal Blade, mm-hmm. I believe is the name of it. Mm-hmm. I read it and he said the same thing in that, even to this day. He said, I signed people because I liked them. And I figured if I liked them, that a lot of other people would too. Bam. <laughs> business model he said that was why he signed people i know that from being in the office a a few times that um when you sent your stuff in and back then you'd have everything was on paper Mm -hmm. so you had to have like a look like you'd put forth some effort so you sent something with a bio right a photo Uh a tape you had to look like you'd he had to know that you were actually actively trying to promote yourself right if you were just calling him up and saying, hey, I got some music, are you interested? He'd probably not even 
separate note. Right. Or send it or right. whatever. If you just send a tape with your phone number written on it, that was it. He probably, it wouldn't even get listened to, right. I, I imagine. Right. Yeah. He had to see some effort and promo. And I'm I'm the same way now with the, with the label. I do the same thing. I'm, I got to see that you're, I've got some criteria. It has to do with um, <clears throat> doing promo. Yeah, you should I have need to criteria. See that you're out there. I need to see that a band is out there playing out of state some. I know everybody's got jobs and things like that, but you've got to have some efforts out there. You're not going to do anything if you just don't go play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I tell them, I go, I got to see some some touring or some road shows out of state from your home state. I need to see you be socially uh, active, net active, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those things that you're actively kind of constantly promoting yourself. Can you need to be doomed because I have a doom label. Yeah, yeah. 
That was Tommy Stewart's, one of Tommy Stewart's Doom Projects, Negative Wall with Mater Siva KP22. Nice. That was a, um, a, I learned a lot about Tommy during our conversation with him. Me too. Um, you know, we did a lot of reminiscing about Hollow's Eve, obviously, mm-hmm. but he has an awesome label that he's very passionate about. It's mm-hmm. a Doom label, Black Doomba. Yep. Um, signing all kinds of great bands. He Definitely. has um, other projects, Tommy Stewart's Dire Wolf, of course, Negative Wall that we mm-hmm. just played. Just a lot of really cool stuff that he's, you yeah. know, still coming out with. And he's a big part of the uh, Maryland Doom Fest. Yeah. Um, we had plans to catch up with him there this past year, but it was, I don't know if they called it canceled or postponed. I think they called it postponed. Yeah. Hopefully next time. But regarding his label, I mean, Grave Huffer just came out with another new record, mm-hmm. um, I, the 15th, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what else we have? Oh, the remastered Hollow's Eve, mm-hmm. um, came out on Metal Blade, also on the 15th, uh, Day Glow Morning is out February 10th, that's an awesome doom metal band on yeah. his label, yep. just like a lot of really cool stuff coming out. Yeah. Um. And he does a lot of vinyl, and it's like really well done. Yeah. Not, they don't cut corners. Yeah. So... We'll, uh, we'll have to catch up with Tommy here in the near future. I'm looking forward to it. All right. What do we have next? So not too long ago, we had a really fun conversation with Eric Burke and his manager, yes. Aaron. Yes. Um, everyone loved that episode. Yeah. It was a really fun, lighthearted conversation. It was fun. So it was a lot of fun. Um, let's hear some of it. Do you have now, do you have any advice for 18-year-old Eric? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, good luck. <laughs> Keep your hood down. Don't be too big of a cunt. <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah, that's probably about it. Lon will get that. <laughs> You guys do have a massager that you got on Amazon. Oh. You're fucking right. We How do. is that treating you? That was a great drunk purchase. Uh, I actually like it. I haven't used it in a special area no. other than my back. And it feels good. Uh, let's redirect this question to you, Aaron. So, how... Uh, I mean, I'll show you the other purchase that we got that day. The wallet? The wallet. Oh, Nice. No fold. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Look at that. I need one of those. It's not as interesting as the dilt or the it's a, it's vibrator. A, a massage. Yeah, I forgot about the massager. It's, back massager. it's pretty sweet though. It does feel good. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. It feels on, good on my back. On I gotta, your long back. I got to ship it. Son of a bitch. She knows about my long back. She took that one. Uh-huh. She wrote that note down. Yeah. It does feel good on oh, my long back, leaving. though. It does feel good on my long back. Are you kidding me? That's what it's about. You got buns when you're young, and then it goes away. <laughs> Fucking sad. You had buns when you were young? I, I wish I had a pick, but I didn't have a phone with a pick, you know, a thing on it. I had a rotary dial. Did, did, you had a booty when you were younger? Yeah. You want to see a picture? Yeah, I do. No, I got Because I don't, I don't believe you. And I now we wear, can't fart. 
I used to wear tight ass jeans, babe. <laughs> tight ass jeans. So right. That gave you a booty. I had a tight ass, yeah. I don't believe that. I will show you. How about our song? Yeah. Who? Our song. You've got the long back. I've got the high crack. Ooh. Ooh. See, Aaron's got the high crack because she's got a good shelf going on back there. So she's got the high crack and I got the long back. So that's our little song that we sing. Ooh. Yeah, you know, a little, a little, yeah. I'm sure you guys are stoked. <laughs> No, don't delete that. Oh, it's not going anywhere. That, that goes right in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> we just got a, our sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys meet? Oh, Eric definitely she picked me came up at the bug jar. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna try to derail this real quick. Eric saw me from across the room. He's like, "Damn, that girl's so beautiful. I just have to introduce myself and impress her." And then it was just Bullshit. Over, over from there. Bullshit. <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you the real truth. Because I'm old. <laughs> I was sitting at the bug jar. It was a Friday. I was there with my best friend, Chad, and our friend, Rayfield. And we were drinking. And we were there drinking for You a have while. your, like, Neil Diamond voice on yeah, right now. I'm on, I'm on right now. Because this is dead yeah. serious. We are serious. Can you sing the answer? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting at the bar. And who's looking at me? God, please stop. Don't stop. It's a young, beautiful girl staring back at me. What the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> I can't sing it. That's how I was looking at you. But I, yeah, it is. It was strange. <laughs> so I'm talking with these fucking goons, and I look over, and she's looking at me, which doesn't happen. <laughs> Girls don't look at me. Girls look at you. No, if they do, they don't do it when I'm looking back. They look away, and you didn't. So let's, all right, let's put it that way. <laughs> so I look at you, and you looked at me, and your smile got bigger. Like, I caught you, and oh, you're like. Oh, that's cute. So she's looking at me. I was hammered. <laughs> See how this goes? Yeah. She's still hammered six years later. <laughs> this fucking chick. So actually, she, was, she wasn't hammered. She was good, though. And so we're hanging out there, and. I see her and she's smiling at me and I'm and then I look over to my buddies and I'm like, this fucking girl over there is just fucking smiling. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden she's with her girlfriend and her girlfriend's husband and the three of them start walking. All right, they get closer yeah, and closer. They were they were by the corner by where you walk into the band room, like where Bobby okay. T sits yep. always. Mm -hmm. And I was by the taps. Oh, so you were yeah, around kinda, the corner. Kind of around a minute. Yeah. And so I see them walking. I'm like, oh, fuck. What's gonna I, I could tell something's about to happen. They're coming over. And the three of them walk up, and, and I kind of turn around from the bar where I'm facing all of them, and they go, and, and, and the guy goes, and she's, me and her are kind of looking at each other, and the guy's like, oh, man, don't, don't I know you from somewhere? And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, No. 
thought he was being a good wingman. Oh, he was he trying was. to he was trying to wing it in, and he even I thought he knew him. He like, said that to her. Over there, he's like, oh, I know him, and yeah. I was like, oh, let's I don't go know. Him. Let's oh, he go was lying. He lied. He lied. And the thing is, is that if he if he wasn't lying. There's a good chance I didn't remember. So <laughs> there's like, I'm like, I actually kind of felt bad because I was like, fuck, I could have met this dude when I had a couple of beers. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But I'm 99% sure I'd never met him before. And I go, dude, I don't fucking know you from a hole in the wall. And then I'm just kind of locking eyes with her, you know, because she's looking at me with a smile and I could kind of, I felt the vibe, what was happening, you know? So me and her kind of started talking or looking and, and then those two disappeared and then it was just me and her oh i love it and then she's like can you come outside with me and make out and i was like oh. are you fucking serious <laughs> i was like i usually don't do that on the first date you and she was so- like Oh. No, please. Let me just. I, I want to taste your tongue. And I was like, <laughs> I can't even believe you just said that to me. I'm so turned I on. I don't that. even have my ball shower cap on yet. <laughs> See, that's what I said. <laughs> All right, that was, that was this story's a little, no, a little different like, at the end. He was end, like, but. I gotta go. I gotta ride my bike down to the crown. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, I don't. What's the crown? And two, you have no. a bike. Shot him at motorcycle. Yeah. And he's like, No, my bicycle. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> And he's like, how old Did are you? Did you jump on his pegs? No, I stayed back. I, was, I, was I like, wish I had pegs. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been sweet. He's like, how old do you think I am? And oh, I was this like, is great. 32. Really? I was like, oh, he's probably like 36. But I'll be polite. And yeah. So I was like, oh, you're 32. I'm 25. He's like, I'm, I'm 40. And I like. <laughs> she threw up. <laughs> she threw up in her mouth. Yeah, and she threw up it. in her mouth. No. And then we made out and no. I got a taste of it. <laughs> Gross. No, I didn't. We were. It was, it was, it was fun. And I told her I was forty. She got turned on, yeah. which was kind of strange. <laughs> I wasn't used to that. <laughs> What's really funny Uh-oh. is when Salako played at the Bug Jar, and I and I went with the same girl. Where the night, same night I met him was her husband's band was playing. It was like this punk rock band, and then we went up late. We had been hanging out a couple times, and we went up to the Bug Jar from Geneseo. Because his band was playing Salako. And I was with a couple of my girlfriends. And I liked how the bug jar was separate from the band room, from where the bands were playing. And I was like playing pool because I'm a pro at pool, you know? Slacko starts playing and my friends like go in the other room. Oh yeah, this is great. And and Eric was singing in Slacko at the time and I peeked my head around the corner and saw it and I was like, oh, I'm kind of scared right now. Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't I get come, myself into yeah. She wouldn't come in the room and watch us play. <laughs> so my friend stayed in there and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Here, son of a... You were not proud of my medalist. I just needed to get like, you wanted me to dive right into metal. And yeah, I was like, dive into I- it can't do that so but now i'm like right there right near the big speaker no <laughs> no earplugs in the big speaker the one of the bug jars she went from lincoln park to salaka hey now like good that. job that is a good job nice work babe and i'm cheering you on and i'm you are good yeah pedaling merch play so be it you, you, you are you are <laughs> i wrote a metal song like look at me you're keeping it real yeah yeah you are i I couldn't say it any better. Well, maybe I could. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have two more questions. Uh Uh-oh. And either one of you can answer the first question. Why is it called taking a shit when you're really leaving a shit? Uh, 
Well, because I'm taking it out of my ass and I'm gonna put it in the bowl. <laughs> you fucking take it. That just made it seem like like you're like you're taking scooping it, scooping it. Yeah, I'm delivering it. You're delivering a I'm loaf. Delivering it. Hey, check this out. I'm gonna take this out. Stop, Eric. I'm gonna fucking look. I just took it out, but instead, I'm not putting it in my hand. We need video. I hate. Oh, I'm so sorry. That, that was a way better answer than I was expecting. Are you seriously? There's no fucking way you dude, I'm gonna go fucking leave a shit. Dude, you don't say leave a shit. You no. say take it. Yeah. Because you're taking it. You're taking it out. Why you're taking you, it somewhere? Eric's getting angry. I know. No, I'm not angry. I'm excited <laughs> about you're, shitting. You're very you're very passionate. This is the uh, most question that you've gotten the most passionate exactly. about. Exactly. Music is shit. <laughs> shitting is everything. Taking a shit. Take it. Alright, babe. How about your How about your opinion? What do you do with your shit, babe? I don't poop. <laughs> All right. Roses and butterflies. That's, that's a whole other that's episode. <laughs> I could talk after that look. Okay, last, last question. That's that look we were that's just talking look, about. Yeah. Once I see that look, I I go this way.
was Eric's project Distorted Mosquito with the song Then Don't.
All right, Grandma had some rigor mortis in her pantry. Fantastic. Yeah, and that was the song Warriors of Doom that had uh, Bob from Immolation. It was just before Ross joined. Um, but So that's going to lead us to our next conversation with Immolation, which happened to line up with your birthday. Last year, which yeah. was absolutely amazing. Yep. So uh, let's... Uh, Let's hear what Bob and Ross had to say. All right. So as a fan for me, I think I connected with you guys first live, like being in the crowd. Good, because that's, that's kind of where you want to shine live. Um, amazing. Awesome. Just like Thanks. I like, yeah, just mouth breathing, staring at you guys <laughs> the entire time. Like, and then I went and like listened to you guys, like, and on a musical level. Like you were like, oh, these guys are terrible. No, <laughs> but then I was like, <laughs> then and then I studied the lyrics and I was like, oh, like they have shit to say. Like they're shame. We try, like we yeah. try, yeah. And I, so I kind of went, I think, backwards mm -hmm. than most yeah. people, and connected with you guys live, and then worked my way. <laughs> but that's a good way to connect, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, we hope you get you, you're looking to get new fans by going like we talked about yeah. earlier. When you're going on a tour, it's always good to go with you know a larger act so you get in front of new people, you know people that might not necessarily know the band, and that's where they're going to catch you is live, yep. and you that's where you're making your impression and bringing your music to them. So if that's that's what we hope for is to gain people through playing live. You know yep. that's that's Absolutely. really where you're going to gain most of the people, I would think these days. So yeah. that's awesome to hear that. Cause yeah. yeah, that's kind of why we're out there, you know, and it's always great. We had a lot of that in the Cavalera tour when we did the uh, Return to Roots tour. Because we hit, like I said earlier in our before interview conversation, you know, a tour like that, we reached a lot of new fans who weren't necessarily exposed to what we do. And we had a lot of people on the next tour come up to us and say, hey, I never heard of you guys. I saw you guys on that Return to Roots tour and I was hooked after that. I, oh, I picked that up has your to records. be amazing. And that's, that's what it's about, you yeah. know. And I think live, that's the magic of live, of, of performing live, because you have that 45 minutes, an hour, or however long you have, but that's your moment to shine. And that's where you, you present it all to the people, you yep. know, and, and that's it. You know, it's, it's a do or die moment. So you either do it or you don't do it, you know. So it's nice when we get that feedback. Hey, you know, you guys touched me live in, in a certain way that I, I was inclined to go look at your back catalog and, and, and investigate the band and, and now I'm a fan and that's kind of what we want to hear <laughs> yeah. Know, so. yeah Um. alright hold on because you guys like led into all my questions I know we're chatty yeah. well no you answered, <laughs> answered like, everything. I, I should show you the that notes that happens like, a lot with us holy <laughs> coal I don't know my we favorite can talk album, boy <laughs> kingdom of conspiracy like I Oh, that's cool. So that's one of your faves, too. That's cool. Yeah, and I think it was because I noticed the shift in the lyrical theme. Like, sure. The music is absolutely like spot mm -hmm. on, but cool. like I felt that shift in the lyrical theme, and yeah. I connected with it. And that, that was our first, like, quote-unquote concept album, because that whole album had that common thread throughout. Um, and that was the only album we ever did that. Atonement is kind of like that in a lot of ways. There were a lot of similarly themed songs on that but then there's also some rogue songs that are you know yeah. you know yeah. obligatory <laughs> religious yeah. song and yeah. you know stuff like that but you know yeah in the end it's, it's all about the same stuff exactly <laughs> you know it's about the world <laughs> the world we live in so do you think a lot of your beliefs came from being force-fed organized religion i wouldn't say we we're force-fed it wasn't 
force, but it was just, it was there, you know. I think School you just, and <laughs> you just notice it at a certain point yeah. in your life. You're just like, yeah, you know, because you're, 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 you are given this from the time you're born, you know, so in your head, you're like, what's going on, you know, and then at one point, you just kind of wake up, you're like, huh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's when you realize, sure. and I don't, look, we don't hold anything, I mean, we know plenty of people that are very religious or whatever, and I don't care, you know, it don't bother me, it's just like, we have a certain idea about it and our opinion about it and that's what we put in the music it doesn't stop me from knowing people or dealing with people you know so you know we're not like that so it's like it's just an opinion really you know and and that's what we put into the music um we put up a lot of opinions about a lot of things into the music so but that's where it pretty much is most of the time it's in the music and you can interpret it like we said the way you want and that's it um but yeah, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, yeah, I guess we weren't forced into it. It just, it was no, part of what we were yeah. at the time or our families were into. Yeah. You know, so once we weren't into it, more tradition, that was it. I guess. They, they realized that and that's the end of that. It's not like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. they don't hold it against us either. So it's, yeah. Well, we, well, we, we grew up, I mean, in Yonkers, I mean, it wasn't like, if we had grown up like somewhere in the South or something like that, where it was like that, then yeah. maybe, <laughs> Yeah. Know, but... It wasn't uh, forced on us, you know. I mean, it got to a point where I was like, "Damn, this is not feeling this. Not feeling yeah. this at all." And why didn't you know? I, I you know, you, you you're never really feeling it. You just kind of go along. Well, with you're going life. with the flow. Yeah. It, it yeah. feels like it's. You feel it's, like you should be doing it because exactly. everybody else is doing yeah. it, and then you realize, no, it's not the case. You yeah. know, so yeah, question everything. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think you can relate a lot to this because you grew up in a Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Household, and you kind of one day would yeah did the yeah. same thing. Like, yeah. wait a minute, like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. The best Sunday school. <laughs> the best part about uh, my eleventh grade year in Catholic high school was our religion class of that year. The whole I, the whole premise of the class was questioning the the existence of God, and to me, that was the best class ever. <laughs> Because uh, you know, uh, you know, you have a, um, a uh, you know one of the brothers teaching this class, and he's telling you, okay, if there is a God, then how could this you know uh, God allow this? And then he'd point out all these crazy atrocities going on in the world that has happened and is continuing to happen. And it was a really eye-opening class, and I had felt like that all uh-huh. along. But once I had that class, I was like, wow, you know, now. The way he presented it to us, it was just brilliant, and that was it for me. I was like, "Yeah, this is." I'm done. <laughs> You're like, "Thanks." <laughs> he was like, "Wait, no, that's not he what I proved." Meant. All the points I was feeling, he was like, having to do it, you know. So and that's then not they what I meant. That class, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. It was awesome, actually. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> 
That was the epic When the Jackals Come off of Atonement from Immolation. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I know they are working on new new material that if the world didn't kind of come to a halt, probably would have been out by now. Yes. I think it's probably coming sometime soon. I don't know this. I'm just speculating. When the time is right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Looking forward to it. All right, next up, we did a two-part series with Danny Loker. Yes. Uh, part one was actually accompanied by Stormy Storms, which yes. is a ton of fun. So let's listen to some of that. All right. So when you started Anthrax with Scott, right? Yep. Um, did you, you two both started on guitar? Is that what happened? I started on guitar because nobody else could figure out the Iron Maiden harmonies when we did cover stuff. So instead of constantly showing somebody else how to do it, I said, fuck it, I'll just play the other guitar. Mm-hmm. But then we uh, went to see Black Sabbath at Madison Square Garden in 1981 on the Black and Blue tour with Blurster Cold opening up. Dio on vocals, which I discussed last week when I was doing a Dio um, documentary interview. But... Uh, Scott and I looked at each other and it's like, you need to go back to bass. That's your natural instrument. I played guitar as a convenience. So, you know, the priest and maiden harmonies. It was just too much trouble explaining it to somebody else. But I still write on guitar. I have a guitar at home. I find it, you know, easier. I'm going to show it to somebody else anyway on guitar if I write a riff. Mm -hmm. Might as well just give birth to it on guitar. But I don't like playing guitar as a natural bass player, I find the strings to be too close together. Yeah. So That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize until looking stuff up for this that... <laughs> that um, <laughs> Thanks for that double IPA, by the way. <laughs> Unless this is wrong, because it was on the internet, um, that John Connolly was in Anthrax before the first demo. That is true. He was an original member... Of Anthrax, but he was only 16 then, and he was just a vocalist. And uh, let's just say that he hadn't really got his vocal style down mm-hmm. then by then, mm-hmm. so it didn't really work out. But uh, yeah, and then um, by the time I was out of Anthrax in early '84, I might be jumping ahead here. I knew he was just uh, hanging around at White Stone Queens and playing guitar and listening to the same stuff I did. So. That's how Nuclear Assault came together. But again, I might be jumping ahead. No, oh, that's good. It's an, it's an open forum. Cool. Um, it's like wild to think about that you guys were actual children, like babies when this all got started. <laughs> how old were you? Um, I f- met Scott in high school, and we formed Anthrax. I might have been 16 or 17. Like, the most important thing I think most people do when they're 16 or 17 is like, learn how to drive and not kill themselves by drinking too much beer and you did this instead I did those things too well yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, it just seems like so much like you know even as an adult now and just being friends with people in bands it seems like so much work to do tours and like plant get people to show up to band practice like you're an adult you can do things It's, it's wild to think that you guys were like organized enough or passionate enough to be successful at that age? Well, it was the passion. It wasn't the organized. (laughs) Definitely. It was the fact that there was no blueprint back then for any of that stuff. We were inventing a genre, doing our part, 
I mean, when I first started in Anthrax, though, we hadn't even, there was no Metallica or anything. We were doing Judas Priest and Iron Maiden covers. We eventually got into playing faster when we got Charlie. But that was, yeah, the basis for it was um, just the inspiration. I wanted to play music. I don't know. It's hard to think about because, for one thing, it was 35 years ago. Actually, more. You think about the <laughs> real origins, but also because there was such a natural process, it was hard to, uh, I don't know, it's too organic to discuss and step back and analyze, but I try to do that now. <laughs> you know? Do you still play the piano? You started with the piano, didn't you? I did. Um, well, we have a piano at work, but... It's hard to get to now because they we're doing we're we're working moving the bar around to accommodate social distancing. And the piano now is under the dinosaur to the point where it's uh previously unsaid sentences in human history. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. No one's ever said the piano's under the dinosaur. Sounds like an episode title. Yep. <laughs> the only thing I do when I get on the piano is I do uh the beginning of that macabre song, the I'm gonna kill you and I'll slit your throat too. I forgot. Vampire of Dusseldorf. That's that piano intro. I'll do that. And everyone thinks I'm doing a show too. And I'm like, no, I'm saying <laughs> about a murderer <laughs> who shoots a load when he kills you. So you hung out with Fenris at his farmhouse, right? That we could read about in your book if we could get a hold of it, if someone would reprint it. <laughs> Yeah, he was very excited that day. He's like, we're going to fucking, you're going to come with me out of my farmhouse. We're going to take acid and hang out. Nice. Then everyone else showed up later. But yeah, um, we met at Elm Street, that bar. And I forgot when we dropped. But then we went to a store and bought a bunch of beer. And I remember because he was very, like, the bus is coming at 217. We have to hurry up. <laughs> And I was like, okay, fine. We just fucking threw a bunch of beer in a bag. And then we got on the bus. And then as soon as we got out of the city into the suburbs, we had a giant traffic jam. And we both had really full bladders. We were sitting in the back of the bus. We're like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> and then when we got to his house, you had to walk through the forest, like fucking Dorothy or something. <laughs> and um, we got halfway through the, the beautiful Norwegian woods of nature that everyone sings about. And I'm like, dude. I'm going to piss in your fucking Norwegian woods. <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped and fucking got it out, was pissing on a tree trunk, and I turned around, and he was three trunks down. <laughs> going, I'm glad it was you first. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we went to his house, and uh, we sat outside at these picnic tables and drank a bunch of beer, and, you know, the, the acid kicked in, and he had a boombox, so it was playing trans techno. And his mom lived on the second floor. This is in the book, but his mom lived on the second floor. And she stuck her head out the window and said in Norwegian, would you boys like some waffles? And I understood her because I was tripping. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was so scary. <laughs> he was like, how did she know that's what she said? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, then we were like, no. We don't want waffles because waffles just means there's going to be like some kind of strawberry gel kind of thing. 
on top of them, and you don't want to see that when you're tripping. It's like <laughs> pulsing liquid. <laughs> pulsing thick, vicious, viscous liquid. And we were like, no thank you, Mrs. Negel. <laughs> and she closed the window, and that was it. After that fun conversation with Danny, we heard Blurring with the song Corpse Rat, and that is off of the Blurring Cognizant Split from March 2020. Fantastic. And we got that on vinyl. Yes. So happy about it. Yes. So With the love note. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that we really appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we mentioned his book, Perpetual Conversion. Yes. 
And since then, it has been redistributed on ebook. Yes. Through Rakuten Kobo. Nice. I didn't know how to say that <laughs> a couple episodes ago, but um, so it is available. Finally. And we finally do have it. Finally. Yes. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So what are we, uh, what are we venturing into next? Next up, we're going to revisit episode 48, which was Danny from Malignancy and Barrett from Severed Records sat in as our co-host and it was a wonderful time. Um, Danny, do you have a mm-hmm. favorite death metal era? Yeah, the one that gave us no props whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> the early 90s. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, because it was new. It was new and, and we, I, I mean, to be there and witness this new form of metal was, uh, was awesome. And nothing has really taken me to that place again, you know, over the years. I mean, a lot of great releases, a lot of great bands. Um, but now we're, we're in that recycling era again, where it's just, I don't know, everybody's fucking, you know, buying a heavy metal pedal off eBay and, and fucking doing this, you know, retro style Swedish, you know, version. And it's like, we've already heard it. I don't know how many times you could play the same crunch riff in that dirty sound. It sounds amazing every time, but I don't know. Being in a, in a technical band, I like to, to hear something that's a little different. And mind you, we're technical, but we're still heavy. I mean, there's, I don't really consider us like tech death as people like to say it because we're not, we don't have like, you know, 18 string guitars and we're not super, we're not tuned super high so that, you know, you can hear every single note with clarity. I mean, there's just a little bit of thing though, right? What's up? That's probably a good thing though, right? Yeah, I mean, I never, I mean, I wanted to play stuff that was a little bit more intricate, you know, like suffocation, things like that, like that intricacy, but not their style. Um, And gore guts, you know, just to, but not the gore guts after Erosion of Sanity. You know, I was just looking to kind of do something that was still brutal, but had interesting parts in it. And, And then, you know, once I gave that, well, we kind of agreed on that template you know, Ronnie just ran with it, and then he's just been this master of, of writing ridiculous, silly stuff, him and Mike. So it's just <laughs> like, hey, you guys do what you got to do. Great. Yeah, I don't know how he plays that shit jumping around like he does. <laughs> I don't know either. He's uh, Maybe he practices. He closes the doors, and he practices jumping around playing. <laughs> I, I could see that. I can actually see him doing that. <laughs> I could, too. I mean, shit, there are people out there that practice headbanging, which you don't really need to, but you know what I'm talking about. These guys that do it in unison on stage, you know, they're, they must have practice. Okay, we must bang head now. All right, cool. Good feel. <laughs> I don't know why I made them European, but sorry, Europeans. I love you. <laughs> so... so- Danny, what do you what would you say the best advice you've ever been given is? Hmm. 
that's a that's a bit of a I don't know. And what is there just in life in general? Yeah, whatever. Sure, life, music, whatever. Or, or no hmm. good advice. I don't even remember. No, I, know. <laughs> I don't remember I, anything. I kind of feel that it way wasn't too. That great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably something that's so ingrained into my DNA now that I just do it without even thinking about it. That's yeah. just something. I don't know. I mean, I, I was brought up to. Uh, I was I was brought up a certain way where you know I just I try to respect everybody and uh, do things for people, um, but then I also have you know we we have bad attitudes we get throughout the years for one reason or another, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I just can't stand stupidity. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, I can relate. You know, with this. Um, going off topic here. I'm just trying to think what. I mean, I I wish somebody said, don't get into music, because then I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then I'd be like, all right. You know, I mean, listen, doing this band, it's been 28 years now, and a lot of, I don't know, newer people or even older people call us legendary, and it makes me laugh, because i never seen no legendary money. I've never seen any legendary accolades or whatever. I don't know... I guess when you're a rock band and you've been around for 25 years, you're considered classic rock. Yeah. Okay. So maybe when you're around for 25 years in death metal, you're considered legendary because not too many bands last that long. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, but well, no, you guys kind of transcended the old school, mm-hmm. meeting the new technical era, and then kind of integrating both styles into now and yeah so yeah i mean just try to forge ahead and you know not give up yet you know i mean i don't know i don't know how long we're gonna do this endeavor to persevere <laughs> pretty much hey, maybe that could be the name of our new album there you go <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny, so you just mentioned your uncle. Is this the same uncle that renamed your band from Carcinogen to Malignancy? Ooh. Holy shit. Look at you. Wow. Somebody did their homework. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that same uncle. That's pretty cool. So how do you think Malignancy would be different today if it was still named Carcinogen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we might have still gone that route, um, you know, because I always had that idea in my head that I wanted the band to sound a certain way. So it's possible that we, we might have stayed the same course. I'm not really sure. I might have even tried to change the name because I, I don't know, it was one of those things where it came up and it was like, oh, we'll, we'll do that because I think all my friends in high school smoked cigarettes. So I was like, okay, that worked. <laughs> well, you know, there's a band. <laughs> and, uh, there's a band in California. Yeah, there was a, well, there was also a band in Long Island, too, that uh, they were around not too long ago, and they sounded like they were old school. They were pretty good. I really enjoyed them. Well, this was, this was uh, oh, yeah. Dino and uh, I forget the other guy that started Dystopia in California. Ah. And this oh, cool. It's old, like, super 
sludgy death metal way back before dystopia so probably i don't know 90 91 maybe we, we may have, have gotten us i have the demo I, don't, I can't remember cool uh, well maybe uh, we would have gotten a cease and desist letter like we did for malignancy back in 93 i think there was some band from uh europe maybe finland or germany i'm not really sure and the guy was trying to say that they had been malignancy since 91 and i lied and was like we've been malignancy since 1990 and then i never heard from him again so it was great <laughs> Amazing. 
Elizabeth. <laughs> that, of course, was Malignancy mm. off of the Eugenics 2012 release with Cataclysmic Euphoria. Yeah. We are going to wrap up this awesome episode, which I have had so much fun. Me too. Going back and reminiscing mm. uh, with our bud, Nick, from Hessian Farm. Yes. Um, and after we listen to a tidbit of his conversation with mm. us, we're going to go into the song Witherways by Mephitis. And this is going to be on their Off Scourings full length that is coming out on Hessian Firm on the 30th of this month. Until next time, stay, stay safe, safe, stay healthy, don't be an asshole, and never leave a shit. Take one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's another cultural difference, you know, five hours for, you, for Americans, you know, that, that's an easy drive, you know, for French people, like, what do you mean five hours? That that's, might as well be a different planet as far as yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> that's another country, <laughs> right? For you. <laughs> uh, five, well, five hours, five hours, I'm in Spain. I'm in literally the center of Spain in <laughs> five hours from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the same <laughs> state. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's insane. I mean, if I was live if I was living on um, the east side, you know, that could in five hours in a five hour drive, you know, northeast France, I could go to Luxembourg, Belgium, Holland, and end up in Germany at the end, pretty much in five yeah. hours. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, di- it's very different sense of uh, scale. You know, uh, the other day I, I learned that uh, California is bigger than the UK. Yeah. 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 It's by, huge. By, by quite quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just saying, like. <laughs> how is how is that possible <laughs> i've heard like bands that do like world tours that they kind of have a hard time in the united states because of like the vast you know spaces between you know you know what i mean like they're still in the same country whereas if they're doing this in europe they'd be in a different country each day here it's like a, yeah, a different um, state each day i mean there was a documentary about a, a big european band who who did that and um um i know i think it literally drove them uh, absolutely crazy and uh to the point of being suicidal you know spending the whole day driving you know <laughs> from one place to another and <laughs> and just being surprised they're like wait no you're you're just that that after a whole day they're just two cities over from the last one or right so you mentioned that uh masks should go away and for musicians does it does a uh, corpse paint yeah. count as a mask or is that different <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Cor- corpse paint it's just ridiculous you know <laughs> that that needs to go away too <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't know what you you think you think, but <laughs> I don't know. I've always seen it as being kind of childish. Maybe you know, yeah. in the nineties, in that really small circle in Norway, mm-hmm. it meant something. Yeah. But I wasn't. I wasn't there. And the only time I've seen people wear corpse paint is you know when they're drinking beer from like a ridiculous horn or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Got you>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Black metal is one of those styles of music that um, I find myself making fun of pretty often, but I, I also love it. But I, I like to make fun of it too because there's a lot of ridiculous elements to it. Yeah, me too. I mean, 
there, there's a band that um, I absolutely love from your neck of the woods called Havo Hedge. Oh yeah, They're from New, New Jersey, New yeah New Jersey. Maybe they re- they moved to New York. I think yeah. when it, it got bigger under the name Pro. Yeah, so, so. No, I was just gonna say um, that's Paul from Profanatica's other project. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what's funny in in America, you, know, you guys pay like forty dollars to see Profanatica. Uh-huh. Uh, I I got to see them in a squat, right? Where I paid like I don't know fifteen cents, you know, in one cent coins because that's what I had in my wow. in my wallet. Wow. Like I love Profanatica, but the, the, just the whole dr- the, the 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 dresses, everything. It was just ridiculous, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and even you know on the albums, you know they have these. Uh, you know, on the Have a Hedge album, uh, The Throne, The Son of God, the last track is like, it's just an acapella track and it's just Paul Ledney going, fuck the church. <laughs> fuck the name of Jesus. Stop the holy asshole. Like, like three, for three minutes, you know, rip the sacred fleshy. <laughs> you can go check it. It's like, literally, it's the last song on the album. It's, it's, it's a title track. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just scratch, scratch my head and then you... You know, there obviously are a lot of other crazy people like Proscriptor from Absu, you know, uh, uh, the, yeah. the Texan band. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they've they gone into controversy that, you know, I, I don't I don't touch, you know, Hessian firms are uh, apolitical as far as we're concerned, but yeah. just the, the character in general, the way, you know, he writes his messages on Facebook, you know, where he, he cites like 15 different Babylonian demons who have guided him, you know, to, to come to say something or something ridiculous. Where did you see Profanatica? Uh, we have this very uh, infamous squat where you know where a bunch of artists living living there. You know, very talented artists, uh-huh. and they they managed to catch a few big bands. You know, on the way when they go from France to Spain, and because they they I know they have like a they get donations and all that, so they charge the. They, you know the people coming to see the gig they, it's like um, you pay whatever you can really or whatever you want you know <laughs> and then people just end up you know spending a lot of money on alcohol so they use that kind of use that money to keep things alive interesting I don't know that we have yeah. anything like that here no we don't not that I've heard of that's pretty cool though yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we have a very complicated laws in regards to squatters' rights and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, in France, like you, you can't leave people outside of uh, you know some, a shelter. You know, no matter the condition, as long as it's winter. You know, you can't let people die on the street, on the streets. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times, a lot of abandoned buildings get transformed, kind of very punky, um, artistic uh, zones of expression. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we have anything like that here. Yeah, I don't think we do. It's not always the cleanest place, but then you know, what? I, I can always appreciate you know someone doing their best, you know, to get as many artists as they can for as cheap as possible, and just really sharing the music, you know, with people who you know a lot. A lot of kids don't, you know, don't have the money to be able to pay, you know. I don't know fifty dollars to see you know big uh, I don't know behemoth arch enemy and all that you know mm-hmm. and it, it it's you know it's it's unfair you know I find it kind of unfair that you know some people don't have access to the arts or culture in general and that everyone should be given that opportunity one way or another. 
Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I have a, I have an important question for you, Nick. Yeah. Okay. If if a turtle doesn't have a shell, is it homeless or naked? <laughs> uh, I think it's dead, is it? Isn't it dead by any chance? Yeah, maybe you're right. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> 